0: Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Case. What's
1: up guys, this is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight.
2: Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun.
0: Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? amazing. Radio.
1: Welcome to SM Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me is Lavender Gooms. What's going on? DJ Mark. Hey. Kid presentable.
2: Hey, I think uh, Bob neglected. We're not a visual medium. We have a particularly suave-looking Lavender
0: Gooms with us today. I think I've he's just wearing- been too lazy to take off my work shirt. Also, are you
2: wearing hey, basketball work?
1: shorts?
0: Not lazy enough to get to take off my pants, though.
2: It's that uh, ESPN look I've seen it where you pan back from the sports center desk and they got like flip flops and sweatpants on, but they got a nice jacket top. Tops all business, bottoms ready for
3: party.
0: I I actually enjoy good timing for the casual, but I I need to take them off as soon as I get home.
1: all right. Fashion talk. Um, All right. uh, UFC two twenty two happened. Some interesting things came out of it. Quite frankly, a lot of it is the trend I think we've seen in recent cards, which I brought up to Mark. I know a few times where it's really about. There's a lot. There's some young fighters in the UFC that we're starting to pay attention to, and it's really behooves the UFC not to fuck this up. Um, This or that, we'll talk about a bit of a changing of the guard at 45, men's 45. Let's be honest, Uh, women's 45. We'll talk about a uh, steamrolling of a contender. Quote unquote. A um, couple of the young guys got some wins. We're going to talk about cheating some more because, it, we're going to fix this sport ourselves if we have to. Um, got some news on John Jones this week, which honestly went better than I thought it was going to. Um, going to talk a little bit about Bellator and their nonsense, slash, not nonsense, depending on which ones we're looking at fight wise. Can you believe Bellator
2: um, is coming up on Bellator 200? How did, they, how did they hit that number so fast?
1: Well, remember those weekly shows they were doing, man, for a while there with the tournaments? It was like three a thing. month. And there's no bullshit. Every event gets a goddamn number. That's true. There's no... Yeah, UFC's probably at like 500 or something like that if you count all the fight nights. Um, there's no UFC card this weekend, and quite frankly, the one next weekend um, is really, 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 really thin in that we have a very nice... You know, heavyweight top five fighter in there, and then besides that, we got a real question, bunch of questionable shit going on. Um, we'll talk about that next week, though. Um, for now, Cyborg Santos, Marcus. Before the show, I was telling you, uh, Yana Kunitskaya got hit in the face, and it looked like she was scared, like a lion was about to attack her. Um, what do you got, man? He wrecked. She got wrecked. <laughs> yeah, no, Um, I mean, it, the outcome we talked about it last week, we all
3: knew, you know, Cyborg was going to win this fight. Um, There just wasn't a lot of competition on the other end of this one. Uh, but I, I think the real takeaways was there was, you know, maybe a minute in there where Yana was able to actually ankle pick Chris Cyborg down, get her to the mat for a second. Chris got up immediately. And once she got out of clinch, it was curtains. Um, I mean, Yana just really the stand up. There was a big difference. I mean, Chris was just able to to step right in that pocket and just blast him with the right strikes, just breaking right through the guard. Um, so it was a short-lived fight, but I, I mean, the, the one takeaway, the one thing where there was a moment of like, whoa, this might potentially get interesting for a second, was when Yana was able to get that ankle pick and kind of break Cyborg down to the to the mat for a second. Um, but yeah, the, the skill level, the strength, the physicality was just completely uneven from the start, and uh, we, we knew it was going to be an uphill battle. We, we knew this one wasn't going to be super competitive. Um, and That's what we got, you know, it, and it's just... We've kind of known this for a while, right? I think we've gotten Cyborg's best fight out of the way. I think Holly Holm was the best challenger for her um, mm-hmm. at this weight division unless we have some 35ers, some big 35ers come up and challenge her. But I think we might have seen the most competitive we're going to see in a Chris Cyborg fight at the moment unless somebody emerges because right now yeah, hey, we've known it for a while. The, the division yeah, just – just-
1: I mean, there's no division. There's We need to see a fight with 245-pound people that aren't Cyborg. Not counting whatever the hell was going on with Jermaine Duran and Holly Holm back then. Um, if let's, uh, um,
0: if I may, if we're just talking about all the UFC featherweight uh title fights we've had so far, all the women that have fought in it, um, Jermaine, Jermaine Durandamine, I mean, she fought it, won the title, decided to go back down to 135. Holly Holm fought, decided to go back down to 135. Yaniskovitz. Uh, well, well, Holly Holm came back, to back to 135 as well. well. Holly Holm wants
1: to fight uh Cyborg again. So she's coming back up. She's what she wants.
0: Huh.
1: Um. So, uh, Eve Edwards. Um, I think he summed this up pretty well, Steph. The women's 145-pound uh, division is like gang initiation. Get your ass kicked by Cyborg, then you can fight against an opponent you have a chance against.
2: Yes and no. I, I, like, I like a joke, Eve Edwards, but... And then fight someone else? No, you haven't. There hasn't been a 45 versus 45. No, division. no, he's saying okay. he's
1: saying you go eat your ass, book by Cyborg, then they let you fight somebody, like, and a chance you have a chance against. Like, Tony Avenger's got a fight that you can fight somebody in now.
2: And I then think. they let you go fight in your actual division again?
1: Yeah, basically. They that's are, like, yeah, that's I mean, basically that's it.
2: But, um, like, you, you mentioned the name uh, Maine Anderson. That's really the only, like, credible... Forty five are out there, and honestly, let's just get that out of the way. I don't. Well, think I mean,
1: uh, let's noise. let's talk about this real quickly because um, we were kind of we actually I think we kind of were split on this before the show. Um, where I mentioned because it sounds like they're going to book Cyborg versus Nunez. Um, initially, it was thought that Nunez was going to face. Um, fuck. Uh, uh, fuck. Raquel I Pennington. I mean. Raquel Pennington. Thank you, Mike. Uh, she was going to a take on Rocky, but I guess that's... they said they want to do Amanda versus Cyborg in Brazil which I guess let's put away the Brazil part of it for a moment. Um Mike, um just what, what I am I, okay, I'm going to give you my opinion. I think you know where I'm at. I going to see where you're at and we'll see where the rest of the guys are at. I think I'd rather have Cyborg fight uh, Megan Anderson and let Amanda Nunes fight um Raquel Pennington only because I don't I mean, while Amanda Nunes is an infinitely more skilled 135 pounder, I'm not sure how many more times I need to see Cyborg fight somebody she's way bigger than.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that this belt doesn't really have, in my opinion, that much legitimacy, because the only true 145 person that's fought so far in this uh in this weight class has been Cyborg. Everyone else has just been an up-jumped 135er, and you can't have Cyborg just keep fighting people that just decide not to cut ten pounds and go up and fight her, and then just get demolished uh competition wise i would like to see her fight megan anderson megan anderson actually has to cut down a good amount to get down to 145 i don't know how much of this is true she says she's actually bigger than cyborg uh i
1: mean none of this means we think she's gonna win it's just no, she's at least no, the same it, size it's at
0: least a, a different angle almost like when john jones was running through everybody and mm. before the first gust before the gusts fight people were just saying well hey He's tall, just like John is. This that gives like, some angles, and people. That was like the, the worst time.
1: commercial ever. <laughs> well, <that's a>
0: <laughs> but um, I think for the UFC, I think at nauseum we've said this at this point, but they're looking for the big fights and not really looking two, three fights down the road. So for them, just making a champion versus champion fight is the best way to try to get those pay per view numbers up.
1: Well, let's, uh, Steph, um, your thoughts. What do you think?
2: Yeah, Mike just kind of made my point for me. Um, you're—I was to say—you're kind of thinking about the the sport of the UFC a couple years ago, right? Logical fights, yeah. like, logical contenders. This is a bite my nose to spite my face. Like, what is the biggest thing we can do now? And that's why it's Nunes. That's why that's why Rocky's shot will get delayed, even though she's earned it. Is because what is the biggest number we can make now? I, I think. That's kind of been the big story of the UFC the last year. Is just like they're trying to pay back debt, and yep. it's so obvious. Um, so you um, need big bottom lines. And do we? I mean, this 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 card was going to prove how much of a draw is Cyborg, right? So I mean, I
1: don't know. Three weeks' notice against somebody, a short notice against somebody nobody's ever heard of. I mean, it's gonna. You'd hope it would help. It do better than you know the terrible numbers they did recently, well, but yeah, I don't maybe, know. Maybe it won't. It won't be a
2: fair thing as like a fully promoted card, mm. but. If it's really low, it's going to show that she might not be as big as some people think she is, because I'm not certain how big of a drawing power she is either.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how much she is either, to be honest. Marcus, Um, your opinion on this, and then, you know, um, maybe a happy medium, if we do book this champion versus champion fight, maybe we get Megan Anderson fighting anybody on the undercard. What do you think? <laughs> well,
3: that, 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 I'm glad you mentioned that, because that's what I was going to allude to, and it's what Steph alluded to, really, and not surprising because i mean we all know that writing's been on the wall this isn't really a, a division and you know the best example of that isn't that they're just feeding cyborg you know people randomly it's that there hasn't been a non-title women's featherweight out you know you have to build a division they haven't built anything there's no foundation it's just cyborgs sitting on a lot when they need to build a skyscraper and it's just one person just standing there holding bricks and mortar and being like I need a crew. I need people to build up with me. I can't, you can't, no one person can hold a division. And that's what they need to do. And that would be the smart move, right, Bob, is that um, on that big card where you have, you know, hopefully a lot of buys for Chris fighting uh, Amanda Nunes, they get maybe, God forbid, a couple 45 fights. Like Megan fights somebody, and then maybe we see a couple other girls. It seems unlikely because there's no one there, really. I mean, I'm talking about them building a division, and they don't even have the players to start even building something to that and i mean that's always been the problem so there's just there's no there's not enough bodies in this weight class to really build anything off of but i mean if she doesn't fight amanda nunez i don't know who she does fight and it seems like anyone that's relative that's going to have any drawing power is going to come from bantamweight moving up and I, but i think the silver lining could be you know if you're a bantamweight fighter and you're kind of like in the top 10 and you're gonna have you know it's gonna be you know a lot of fights to get that title shot you know that if you say you'll fight cyborg they will just give it you a title shot i like mean i was also confident in your shit you can just be like yeah i'll just fight chris cyborg and that's not a position i think any of these girls really want to take because she's still in her prime she's chris Cyborg's getting better and uh you know i don't think a lot of people are looking at the division like oh it's it's a weakened division. It's not Bisbing at the top here. It's fucking John Jones and no one's looking to, to climb in there and think they yeah. can take that. I'm,
1: I also, I also like you talk about she's getting better because it's very true. I think, I mean, he got some credit last year when Michael Bisping became a middleweight champion, but Jason Perillo has really done some wonders with her striking in that Cyborg used to just kind of, you know, if anybody saw Deontay Wilder fight the other day, <laughs> kind of like that, just swing wildly at people. Cyborg got more of a, you know, Technique here, uh, going on now. Um, let's talk about this co-main event. We're gonna have to see what happens with Cyborg going forward. Well, you in this want to start. talk about
2: technique? This is a, that's a great segue to the
0: next. one. Yeah,
1: point. Jesus Christ. Um, I uh, first off, it was really nice, and I, I mean, I don't know how much you guys hang out on MMA Twitter, which I know most of you is not at all. Um, pretty much every fighter you could think of was giving Per Frankie a lot of props, telling him to keep his head up. Even Connor was saying nice things to him. Max was saying, everybody was saying great things about Frankie, which really tells you, by the way, that despite having the worst scumbag manager in MMA, Frankie Edgar is generally thought of as a very good guy and a stand up dude in general. So that was nice to see. Um, Those of you who didn't see the fight, Brian T. City Ortega is legit. And Stefan, you land, I mean, you land a standing elbow strike like that. That is that's technique. You didn't just throw some willy nilly shit right there. That was impressive as hell.
2: <laughs> it, it was a beautiful combination and finishing sequence. Um, I kind of mentioned, you know, it's one of those things, right? It makes sense in hindsight, but it's not really the greatest indicator before. But um, I was watching all the, like, embedded and the countdown shows and the buildup into this fight. And one thing I noticed was Ortega, when he hit the pads, when he hit the mitts, his striking combination just looked really sharp, really tight, really powerful, really fast. You know, now when it comes to hitting mitts, right? Ronda looked good hitting mitts. It's not always a good takeaway. But you can also tell some things because remember when we saw CM Punk punch a pad, we're all like, oh, no, you're not ready for anything yet. I
1: no mean, I, I, I brought this thing up to you when I said, like, when they showed Bechkoea hitting mitts, I remember, and I remember tweeting this. No one's going to find this. But, like, I was like, guys, are we sure we want to have her fight Ronda? Like, this is this is a really bad situation. It tells yeah, something. It's not always a
2: clean picture what that tells you, but it can tell you something. And, hell, you know, Brian was a young kid. I'm like, oh, his striking looks real tight. And, like you said, we saw it. That inside elbow counter, it was just so sharp. It kind of reminded me of the uh, elbow that Chris Weidman pulled off on Mark Munoz. And exactly. that just eviscerated his head, you know, um, you saw it, it just came in sharp. It hit that chin so cleanly. And from there, you know, it just teed off until Brian Ortega hit like a mortal Kombat level uppercut. Man. And were you so, in-
1: like- were you impressed by like, he didn't lose himself at all during that sequence? Like he, yeah, he kind of, he knew it. He took us, he took a step back and recognized Frankie doesn't know where he is. I can wind up and end this shit. Like that was a, Cause that was on purpose. Everything he threw in those few seconds was a measured, thought-out strike. That was very impressive to me. Yeah, I mean, like, his fighting
2: game, it's kind of like this. his persona. You know, I got to see him in a lot of interviews. He's a really cool, calm, collected, well-spoken kid. But, you know, like, I think I saw it ended up being Brian Ortega by knockout was a plus-1250 favorite. Like, <laughs> by specifically by knockout. And that's, that's true. Cake. I I picked Ortega, but you're 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 thinking submission. You're thinking decision. You're not thinking knockout, particularly in the first round. But um, what I was gonna say is, you know, like about his striking being so calm like that. Look how he gets his finishes. Even when it's a submission, he gets it late. The the kid does not rattle. The kid doesn't mind being behind on the scar like cards. He's he's one of those guys. We talked about it to an extent with um Derek Lewis. You know, there uh, Jimmy Smith saying like. If you have knockout power, you always have that confidence late. Brian Ortega's just got confidence. It doesn't matter when in the fight it is. The kid's got confidence, and he's got composure. And, yeah, a new contender is born.
1: Well, yeah, um, we got a pretty clear number one contender at 145 pounds. Um, Marcus, um, the thought of Frank of, uh, Brian Ortega versus Max Holloway, this has now leaped um, DC versus Stipe as the title fight I'm most interested in. And I honestly mean that. Do you think uh, T-City's got anything f- uh, for Max Holloway, or do you think, I mean, shit, man, he making these kind of improvements between fights. We may not even know what he can do.
3: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it is extremely intriguing, and can't think of anything. I mean, I, I, I guess for me, the Ferguson-Abib fight is very compelling as well. I just don't um, but, believe
1: that's going to happen. That's Yeah, just my but, but that I one. mean,
3: I, I think, I think it, what you're alluding to is, like, it's very similar in this fight. Like, they're these guys have different skill sets that are going to match up and what we saw in this Ortega fight is that like he has gotten a lot better with his striking and it's and I think a lot of us were downplaying it but he he's has progressively gotten better he did stop Clay Guida and it's just it's one of those things where Brian even with this nice elbow like I wouldn't really consider him a like flashy stand up guy he doesn't do a lot of the things that we see at the low weight classes that are incredibly technical he's not switching stances he doesn't do a lot of things that that Max Holloway does when he's standing up With his guard with the way he switches stances with the way he traps people inside clinches and is is able to throw off those he doesn't have those kind of techniques but what he what he does have is what Stefan alluded to it's like it's extremely technical crisp precision right and he has a calm collected head and it all comes together to make a really you know confident fighter like steph said um but also someone that's extremely dangerous i I think him and max holloway is extremely compelling i i still like i'm still hesitant to to think that brian's gonna have a lot to offer max standing up i think he could definitely hurt him Um, i mean in fairness max is whooping
1: everybody's ass in fairness max is whooping everybody's ass like the fights aren't that close (laughs) yeah i still
3: think when i break down the fight and we will break down the fight a lot when it gets closer i still kind of see it as like a more dynamic striker versus someone who has you know really deadly submissions but then you know the the counterbalance of that is that max holloway is no slouch on the ground on the ground and ortega is as we see seen in this fight, is no slouch standing up. Like, you can't sleep on this kid. He will put you away. So um, it's an extremely intriguing fight. And when we were having the uh, Holloway-Edgar fight, I personally wasn't super excited. It just wasn't a fight that really, you know, got my motor running. But, man, Ortega and Holloway is really exciting. I'm very excited to see how these guys square up and, and how that fight plays out. Um, so, yeah, I think you kind of got the best of both scenarios. And the one thing that you alluded to earlier, Bob, is that, like, I don't want this to be a takeaway for Frankie to be like, it's time to hang it up. I mean, that might be in the back of his mind, but I still think he has. He did good in this fight. You know, it's just Brian was able to adapt to his style and capitalize on it. So I still want to see Frankie in, get in there, but
1: definitely at, you know, lower competition. See I mean, you know what? Also, we got to see. Maybe he just got caught fine. I mean, Frankie gets hit. And then finally, eventually, one of these guys uh, cracked him. I want to bring um, Sean O'Malley into this conversation a little bit and a little bit of Mackenzie Dern, quite frankly. I got a overall theme I've been, I'm have been i going with here, which I think we've all kind of seen in recent fight cards. Uh, Mike, between um, those people I mentioned, Ortega, um, Sean O'Malley, by the way, don't worry, guys. I'm going to give Stefan a full minute to shit on Andre Sukumot's uh, strategy in the third round. That's coming yeah, on after man, that. He's got he's got a Stefan gets a full minute of that minimum, okay? But um, we got a lot of young bucks here, man. We got Sean O'Malley. We got Ryan Ortega. We got Mackenzie Dern, who's still very green, to be honest. But um, we had Israel Adesanya, and uh, and we had um, what was named the uh, uh Simone kid who drank beer out of a shoe. Um, that Tibisi? Tui something Tui something. Yeah, okay, forgot his name, but um. We got we had Darren Till a few months ago. We have a lot of young guys worth mentioning. And this is I mean, we've talked about it. This is the best the UFC's roster's ever been. As people say, some divisions are thin and shit like that. In terms of athletic ability, this is as good as this gets. And it's really a matter of, Mike, it's a matter of the UFC not fucking this up. And fucking this up, I guess, would be maintaining this current schedule, I guess, would be the way, huh?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's funny that at times you think to yourself um and this i think this happens with a few sports leagues as well when one set one generation of stars is uh you know no longer in their primes or or retiring and you at times have a lull between when the next crop will be able to step up and this card you definitely see some of the young people that can make some waves and we've seen it more in the last few months And one of the issues is that even though the hardcore people or the people that watch enough of it, they'll know who these people are, that really won't matter too much if they're not getting a push or they're not getting any marketing or if their names aren't getting out there because the UFC isn't doing a good job of it. Um,
1: They have a lot of time right now, Mike, if you think about it, because there is, you look at the upcoming thing, they're going to punt this fight pass thing, to be honest. They have a – what's the next big one? They have till April 7th, honestly, to make everybody care about Ferguson and Khabib, Rose and Joanna, uh Chiesa and Pettis, Felder, Iaquinta. There's a lot of fights on this card. Brandon Moreno's like – looks like he's 14 years old. He's on this card. You're going to this, aren't you? Or trying to? Uh,
0: man, I got, I got like three trips outside of the country I got to do in the next like nine months, man.
1: Okay, so we need Mike to get press credentials, is what we're saying, folks. So somebody get in the UFC with that. Anyway, there's, they have a lot. They have a big opportunity here. I mean, they're, they they didn't do this by accident. They're going to New York. They can build this thing up. They have an opportunity here to really make people care about a lot of the guys on this card. But you
0: know, um, just to go back to this uh last card, um. I'm actually going to say something nice about the UFC. And let's also not forget Alexander Hernandez, who starts Benio.
3: Oh, I I was waiting to mention that. Oh, fairness.
1: People
0: coming out of nowhere.
1: Our boy Benny got knocked the fuck out. That was bad. (laughs) But uh, I I do applaud
0: what they did with uh, Mackenzie Dern and and Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley, famous from uh, the the Tuesday Night Fights. What are they called?
1: Whatever uh, Dana White looking for Dana, White Dana, Dana White's Tuesday night contender series. There's a lot of words in there.
0: Yeah, you know You know, they put him as the the third uh the third fight on the on mm. the on the main uh the main card. And with Mackenzie Dern, I think they did it right. I mean, she's a girl that came in with a lot of hype and they gave her a girl that wasn't wasn't a tomato can, but was still good enough, and they put her in the the main event of the prelim card, and I think that was actually good fight making for them and good positioning of uh of it because you don 't want to give her too much uh' you, you okay there bob, your license kind of yeah. went out uh,
1: okay,
0: you don 't want to hype her up too much, but they gave her just enough uh airplay in, in the fight, i think
1: yeah, and uh by the way uh mackenzie dern uh this is uh this is more akin, by the way, to a Bellator and, like, Bellator, like, signing a college prospect and putting them on TV type thing rather than a Paige Van Zandt situation in that, not to be a jerk here because Paige is not a bad fighter, but Paige is getting a certain push because she's a very attractive young lady. While Mackenzie is also attractive, Mackenzie is a goddamn jujitsu prodigy. Like, she's gotten like, six world championships or some shit like that, so... I'm sure it doesn't hurt that she's a very attractive girl also. Uh, but, yeah, this is, she's not. This isn't just that. She's, probably, probably she's, a, demon on the, she's a demon on the goddamn match. Her biggest
0: claim to has to be uh, her beating Ga- the, the giant Gabby Garcia in a jiu-jitsu match.
1: Wait, she beat her? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Like, points and some shit, right? Because that wasn't... No, not in an actual her. fight. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not saying by points. She didn't finish her. She didn't choke her. Come on now. <laughs> Gabby too big. Um... Mike right now thinking about a Gabby Garcia and a Nia Jax matchup. Got Nia Jax on the mind. <laughs>
0: Yo, that would be,
1: That'd be that'd be crazy. Um, Marcus, you want to give some credit to the guy who smoked our boy, Benil Darush. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was just going to say, um, you know, a, a guy that won, doesn't have Wikipedia page, so we thought nothing of it. And I really just seized this opportunity, right? He came right at Darush. He came into this fight looking to make a statement. That's exactly what he did. You know, he he smoked the guy in under a minute. Um just came out super aggressive. And I mean, that's kind of what you need to do and and what I was going to say about, you know, some of these other prospects we're talking about, it kind of goes against what they did with um Alexander here where I feel like the UFC now that it's repositioned its kind of position in the in the sport being more of kind of entertainment bound, they're looking to make stars. I feel like they're doing a better job building these guys up because what the ufc had done for so long is get some new talent whether it's a prospect or an old vet and just throw them right at their top guys you know right out of the gate kind of like they did with uh yana right they didn't do any favors uh, fighting chris but um i feel like they're doing a much better job giving these guys fights and giving these guys and girls fights that they're going to be able to be competitive in they're going to be able to grow and learn from but they're not just going to get smoked and just outclass instantly i don't really think they did that with alexander i think they needed a body in there and they're like well this kid's an up-and-coming guy, let's throw him in there, see how he performs, and he just sees the moment, right? He came out there super aggressive, maybe too much so, where Darush was maybe trying to start out slow, get a nice little uh touch of gloves in there, and Alexander just front-kicked the fuck out of him, and was like, no, son, I'm looking to take your fucking head.
1: You And I'm defend. i a big Darush guy in general, because obviously there's like three Iranians in all of MMA, but that dude was already coming at him like full force, and he tried to put his hands up for a handshake, I'm not blaming the kid for anything at that point well i mean i I, you can construe it
3: as i mean look at that guy in his head he's like i'm gonna kick you i don't care what's going on it could be seen as a little disrespectful but they're also in a cage fighting i don't know Mm. if politeness is really top of the you know uh charts for what you should be thinking about when you're in there but no i mean really my takeaway was he had a, a fantastic opportunity to fight a ranked guy in his division and he's relatively unknown, and he just—he knew this was a huge opportunity. He needed to perform and execute, and that's exactly what he did. And um, I think what we're taking away is that you know the UFC might not be the best promoter in the world, and I think the landscape has really been on these young kids to kind of promote themselves, and that's why you had Sean O'Malley. What does he say when he wins? Like, "Welcome to the Sugar Show" or some shit. Everyone's got a shtick. Everyone's got a little saying, you know, or something to make you remember him. And you know, we we laugh, and it's funny, it's cute. But it's important because in this landscape where we every week we complain, there's too many cards. I don't know who anyone is. Like You have to make yourself stand out, right? And one way to do that is to have a fucking amazing performance where you knock out a guy who's ranked like 7th or 10th in the division out in under a minute. And another way is just to be kind of a weird, charismatic kind of character. And we've seen Sean O'Malley doing both. We saw Alexander Hernandez. I don't think he had a, a cute catchphrase he just said i'm coming after people but he came after people right he had a great performance and i think a lot of these kids are are seeing that you know they have to kind of go beyond the scope of just being an exciting fighter they have to connect with people on multiple levels whether that's you know your social media game or you know talking some mad shit or calling people out don't be
1: fake don't be fake and don't have shitty shit be be at least come on man be yourself even this o'malley kid i can can't tell this is kind of who he is um just before I'm a ste- we're gonna get to the cheating in a second, and I wanna say right now the UFC better fucking resign John Dodson. Like, come on. So re-sign fucking John Dodson. Stefan. Andre Sukkumthoth. Go. Um, well
2: props to Sean O'Malley. That kid put on a great performance. It looks like a really exciting young prospect. Uh Andre Sukumtoth. Uh quite possibly the worst fight IQ in MMA. Um this was egregious. And he was on
1: a card with Stefan Struve, when you're saying that. This
2: was egregiously <laughs> bad. And you know what the sad thing is? This isn't the first or second time he's done something like this. Um, what I'm talking about is Sean O'Malley broke his foot, something kind of fierce in that third round when he uh, gave a, threw a question mark kick. Um, just must have deflected bad. The kid could not stand on it. And Andre Teth, if you didn't see the fight, he decided to wrestle him. He did the one thing that let Sean O'Malley stay in the fight. The kid physically could not stand on it. It was during the fight that you saw he, when he was leaning against the fence he kept lifting his right foot. He didn't want to put any weight on it whatsoever. And Sukumtas just pulled the legs down and did something on the ground. Like um, All he had to do was stand up and walk away. He didn't need to throw another strike. If if O'Malley is on the ground, Sukumta doesn't want to engage on the ground and cannot stand. That is a TKO. That is end of fight. That is a, I cannot continue because there are minutes left in the round, and I don't know. What it he was, was absurd.
1: It was absurdly stupid.
2: And so a lot of
1: fighters were making fun of him. And this is was the thing. this is
2: very egregious. But if you look at his record, he's so he's now uh, one in his and one in three in his last four. He has two split decision losses against Alejandro Perez and Albert uh, Morales um this something like this happened in both those fights as well and is why their split decision losses i can't recall which one it was specifically but there was one where in the first round he dropped the guy three times with striking and then proceeded to wrestle him for the next two rounds here's the problem andre sukhamton is not a good wrestler andre sukhamton does not have submissions so i don't know why you're trying to wrestle at all you know it's like i asked that question what kind of fighter do you want to be right what is your goal? What are you trying to do? What is your what is your end game in a fight? Are you just trying to grind to a decision? You're trying to point like this is the guy who clearly needed to finish,
1: and that's not his strength. So his corner was screaming in the first place. His corner was screaming too. Apparently, like what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it was impressively bad. To
2: stand, and I ended up looking at things. I, I I went on social media to see what are people saying to him and. It was the the it was vicious. It was viciously vicious. But I hate to say it. I like I kind of felt it was warranted. This kid needs to hear it because his in all his social media reaction, he wasn't saying anything. But the one thing he did say was he was mad about Sean O'Malley's corner. He said they were talking shit to him the whole fight. It was very disrespectful, and that everyone, was very smart. So everyone was like, "Why are you listening to his corner? Listen to your own goddamn corner!" Like. This is a fight game too. You're mad that they're being rude to you. Mark just said it. You're 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 gonna really. That's that's your one statement from all this. After executing a horrible decision, after not listening to your corner, that is your statement. Is the other
0: corner was saying mean things about me during the fight? Like that's pretty that's weird, weird when you consider that the guy in the octagon with you is trying to knock you out, and in this case, the words are hurting you more than the six and stones.
2: You know, we we talk it about was... fight psychologists in the game. Um, not everyone has the mental thing. It's just I worry about this kid. He does not have a great fight IQ. Um, he does weird things in the cage. That was know?
1: it. Was it was so dumb? Um, I thought Alexander, Alexander. I thought uh, Ally Quinta was. He was making me laugh just because he was first all caps. Let him up, and then then uh, you blew it, Sukom. T- then he just gave up and just hit the keyboard. Like fifteen letters. And then he said, That guy is the dumbest fighter I've ever seen. He actually thought he won. Like though and then finally, Sugar Sugar is tough. like Quinta slowly devolved from Rage. Rage and Al was raging about this guy's dumb fight IQ to finally Man, the other guy's tough. That was that was the end game for Al, Rage and Al at some point.
2: No, uh, props to Sean O'Malley, the dude's pushing uh, how much he loves smoking bowls, so maybe we got a new young technical Diaz.
1: Uh, by the way, I thought his post fight interview where he was on his back with his hands up.
2: <laughs> I fucking love you, my... Joe Rogan. That was – I, I, I love Joe Rogan. You,
1: um, Marcus, this is just a real – before we get to the cheating part we want to talk about. Is it odd for me to say this that I think I need – I am more willing to see Andre Arlovsky fight at this point than Stefan Struve? Like I'm kind of, I don't need to see Stefan Struve fight anymore.
3: Well, not at all. A, yeah. After that performance, <laughs> I mean, the only take what the fuck I really, are we doing? The only take <laughs> what I really got is just that Stefan did not show any urgency or anything in that fight. He was just kind of a body for Andre to kind of punch at and grapple, and it, it was disappointing. It was just, it was just, it was a lackluster fight, right? And I don't really, and I don't put any of the blame on Orlowski at all. Like the dude just had to do what he had to do to get the win. You know, he landed some good kicks. He threw some big overhands on a very long, you know, a tall, lengthy guys kind of hardy on the inside and do damage. So he ended up, you know, doing what he could to win the fight, which is to take Stefan down and just ground out a decision. So it, it was lackluster. And yeah, like at this point, I need to see Struve have like some urgency in his fights to care to like want to win. And I just didn't oh, see shit, that in fight at
1: all. Um, Mike, Stefan Struve has had 20 UFC fights. Do you know in how many of these 20 fights Stefan Struve fought like a 7-foot-tall person? Uh, I would assume none of them. None of them motherfucking fights. Throw a jab. Throw a fucking push kick. You are a foot taller than a lot of these guys. How are we? I'm 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 pretty sure sure
0: I remember in one of the first It's Some Amazing podcasts us saying if Stefan Struve can learn how to use his jab, he would be one of the best fighters in the UFC. And about seven years later, that is still not the case.
1: I was watching Up Up Down Down. This was like a year or so ago. And they're playing UFC. And the two guys talking are AJ Styles, who some people may have heard of. Another one's Tyler Breeze. And Tyler Breeze says something like, Struve is going to be uh, a champion one day. And then AJ Styles goes, Struve? Is everybody else going to get hurt? <laughs> and I was like, that's a little hard. But I'm like, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> What the fuck, man? This is disappointing. Um, all right. Hector Lombard. Um I there he needed to get disqualified. I I people are like uh like oh how much blame does the referee get for not getting physically between the two men? Hector Lombard is I think 40 years old? Yep. Hector Lombard is 40 years old. Hector Lombard has competed in 45 mixed martial arts contests. Do you guys think at this point Hector Lombard doesn't know what the fuck he's doing when the bell sounds? I mean, what the fuck? And that's not like even a question.
0: Also, those people saying that the referee should have gone in the middle of it. I counted the amount of seconds it was between the bell and the set the, the two of the one two. It was also maybe... the referee yelled,
1: the referee also yelled stop yeah, at the that bell. Too. Worth mentioning.
0: <laughs> it, it was maybe a second, a second and a half. That is for sure enough time for Hector to not give them two piece biscuit. But I don't know if that's enough time for the ref from—it looked like he was maybe six feet away to get in between them as well. And also the ref did yell stop.
1: I just— I mean, wasn't really look,
0: much the ref could have done in that situation.
1: I mean, between that and we had the Struve and Arlovsky fight where Struve was just eye poking, fence grabbing. He was getting uh, hard warnings, soft warnings. Mark, I swear to God, if we went three straight UFC events where dudes were actually getting points taken away immediately for cheating, no one would cheat anymore.
3: Yeah, Three straight I mean, events
1: where it was enforced. That's all I mean, it takes.
3: Well, it's just, you know, I, I don't remember a lot of this too far. I probably just mentally checked out because that fight was not very, you know, engaging. But, um, I mean, I, I get warning because, I mean, there's definitely some infractions where it was an honest accident. It was just, you know, natural to grab the fence for a second. I mean, you got to do it on a case-by-case uh, basis. I, I don't understand any of the backlash with the Hector Lombard disqualification because that was crystal clear. Like, when we were watching it, Bob, like, we say like, oh, well, he's dq like, there's no qu- – and, and that yeah. wasn't even, like, after going back to the tape and listening to the sound. You saw it happen in real time. Like, oh, that's a disqualification. That, I mean, it, it's open and shut. And I don't – I'm still seeing, like, oh, should that have been a DQ? Let, let's see what Big John has to say about it. I was like, if he says anything well, else that uh, does oh,
1: wrong. People are also like, CB Dalloway was playing it up. I'm like, this is this, this how fucked up the sport is. If CB Dalloway was only knocked a little loopy, like, we would be like, oh, he's being a bitch. Bunch of people. Why isn't he go, Why isn't he fighting? He's just playing it up to get out to look for a way out of this fight. Like, I'm sorry, that's the end of the fight.
2: Don't uh, like, you can't discredit that. People don't generally like CB Dalloway. so people they they don't people don't always understand their own feelings. Uh, mm-hmm. They take their dislike and they use it to turn it on CB, even though it's very warranted.
0: Valerie, leterno um, aka Hector Lombard's uh, main squeeze. She put on her Instagram. Wait, a, really?
1: Yeah, you know that? All right, didn't know that. Interesting. All right, I don't
2: think that's common knowledge, Mike.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, Mike. I why, well, what is this list of MMA couples that we, we're supposed to just know about? I thought I thought people knew that. <laughs> I just I, I assume they both just train at ATT. He's not even an at ATT anymore. Well, He's training in Germany. Come
2: in. Mike talking about the what's hot in MMA dating.
1: Yeah, that's clearly but, go. But, uh, <laughs> she
0: she put up uh, an Instagram post trying to equate. Uh Hector Lombard's late shot um after the bell with what happened with uh who was it with uh Durandamine and Holly Holm and uh John Jones and uh DC in their first fight.
1: Well both the, all those people should have gotten points taken away at least. Their For guy sure. wasn't on All I thought <laughs>
0: with all of those is you know, and especially the Durandamine Holly Holm fight, if they had to cue Durandamine I would have been fine with it. At with least taking the, a point away. Yeah, and and with the uh with the Jones one, he he didn't physic like he didn't wobble DC at all, but it was for sure after the bell. I am completely in favor of blatant after the bell things at least get a point taken away. Because I mean, also, as ma- you said earlier, Bobby, these people aren't going to learn if there's no dire consequences.
1: Also, I mean like Marcus, you made the point about uh fence grabbing and I'm, just trying, I'm not just trying to disagree with you for the sake of disagreeing with you. But at least, I don't know, an accidental eye poke makes a little bit more sense to me than, like, you tried to grab the fence. Uh, like, what are we trying to do here? You it, grab the fence. It, it that's a point.
3: Be, We're done. It would be, like, the severity of what happened when they grabbed the fence, right? And, and we've seen some bad ones, right? Like, I can't remember what that fight was. was. Like, a heavyweight fight. The dude grabbed the fence. And stopped the single leg and then pounded the guy yeah, out. I remember. Stopped the single leg. <laughs> got on top of him. That's, like, that's egregious. That's <laughs> a point taken away. I mean, I wouldn't DQ it for that because you'd stop the action. You should have stopped the action instantly, take the point away. But it's one of those things like if it's just like a gr- there was no takedown attempt and the guy just grabbed the. Fa- I mean, it, it depends on the situation. I'm just not trying to say like any foul infraction deserves a point taken away. I think I agree with everything that you guys have said. You know, when it's a blatant uh, strike after the bell that makes contact and hurts the fighter, point away instantly without question. Even like another example, Aldo and Chad Mendez, like. Aldo hit him Woo! lay off the belt, that ended the fight. Like that should have been a DQ because Chad was
1: not the same, and he got smoked right after that. So at least that was at least that was only like one, but shit, man. Yeah, I mean, also the hub of the first time they fought when Aldo he tried to take Aldo down, and Aldo got you literally grabbed the fence in a way where Aldo was like parallel to the floor. Yeah, like he was that uh, high Stop in the air. That's from working. Yeah, so, I mean,
3: I mean, the, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I agree with you guys. I, I, and and that's what kind of obsessed me with this CB thing is like, right when I saw it, I, we, me and Bob both knew, like, oh, that's a disqualification. Like, I mean, it, like I know, like
1: you love you love Hector Lombard. I like him too, but come him. on, man. I mean, it's, I named my fucking, I named my fucking goldfish after Hector Lombard. Okay, yeah, come on.
3: It's just <laughs> one of those things. Like for us, it's like we knew that's a DQ, and it was really like, are they gonna fuck it up and not disqualify this guy? And they got it right. Right, this is the one time. And you know a lot of events where egregious shit has happened and no one's calling it. They got it right this time. You know, Cb
1: Dalloway should get the win. He should get like a bonus. Three events of they actually enforce the rules, all this shit goes away. Three events. You t- you give me a title fight where somebody loses a point because they grabbed the a fence or an eye poke. You t- oh my god, then no one's cheating anymore. You have it's this do you happen. You happen to happen to any champion. No one's cheating anymore.
0: It's 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 to equate uh, <laughs> to to another sport. When uh, they started uh, making the severe penalties for for head targeting in the NFL, people were bitching and moaning about it. But when they kept doing it, you know what the defenders started doing?
1: Not aiming for the head. Yeah, there's way fewer of those. Just saying. Mark, go ahead. I was just. Gonna, I don't.
3: I don't want to say or give the implication that like that we all, or at least myself, I can't speak for you guys. I think a lot of these foul infractions are, you know purposeful. I don't think they all are. I think some recently have been. I like, don't think they care. But it's really like, and I'm a, I'm a, I don't even want them to be like, oh, they need to take points away so it sets like a standard like, you can't cheat. They, they need to take points away because that's what's supposed to happen when you break the rules in these situations, right? That's really my takeaway. I don't think it's supposed to be like a deterrent and these guys are just like, oh, we can just get away with shit right now. For me, it's just like, no, there's rules in place. And personally, I would like some of the rules changed but there's rules in place and that is the playground that we get to play in you have to enforce those rules and if you don't then why have the rule at all like I exactly want the we- ground let them have knees to the ground but it's it's a rule right now you have to you know you have to obey by the rules and if you don't you need to get punished accordingly and I think points need to be taken away more drastically so the guys know like okay this is a serious thing I can't I, I don't get one right I don't get one cheap shot I I don't get any or I get points taken away
1: yeah I, Marcus I mean I think, I mean, I think- I think this also is almost like the, um, well, like, I know you don't give a shit about, like, steroids in general with MMA, but I know you recognize if you all signed up for this, these set of rules, and you have fucked up at this point, well, you're fucked up. You broke the rule. You shouldn't have agreed to. We've all agreed to these set of rules. Until the rules have changed, you need to follow the goddamn rules, right? I mean. Exactly. exactly. This yeah. is it. We can talk about the rules need to be changed. All we need them to be changed, but Fuck. Um, Stefan, you suggested a segment last week, which I think we should do, which is what did Bellator air instead of airing uh, Bell and what did, what did Paramount air instead of airing Bellator live on the West Coast? I said Stephon, what, what-, what
2: preempted Bellator this week that even though I was reading what was happening in the main event, it's not going to go on TV for another forty-five minutes for me. Uh, Stefan,
0: what was it this week?
2: Uh Mike, do you have any guesses on what it was? I know what you'll want to guess it was.
0: This is Paramount formerly Spike TV, right? If it was Spike
2: right. TV, the cops. answer you're thinking would probably be true, but it's Paramount now. So it's
1: not Cops. It's not Cops. Eh. There, was, there was two straight weeks where it was a Indiana Jones movie. Oh lord. Did we get three weeks? Did we get three weeks of that? Was, it Green was there another one?
2: Green Lantern. <laughs> no, we got two thousand five uh remake, the longest yard.
1: Ooh, that's more of a USA Network preemption, you'd think.
2: All right. Paramount so Network setting the stage. old movie is going to preempt the next Bellator. I, I, wait, I did wait.
3: like Mike's pull of like Green Lantern. It's like, that's a shitty movie. Like They can't even play like a decent, well-respected movie. Nah, nah, nah. Kids love them comic book movies. They
1: don't care what it's like. well, well, Do you remember what was the one we were watching? It was Indiana Jones. It was an okay one. But then the following week, they played the worst Indiana Jones movie instead of Bellator. And I was like, okay. So this is going to be we a weekly that segment. Skull one I never saw. Yeah, that was the worst goddamn one. One really by a mile. shitty one. Um, yeah. So uh, assuming one of us, anybody remembers to check the TV listings, this is going to be an ongoing segment for us. So <laughs> until Bellator starts acting right. Um, some actual some Bellator news that happened this week is they have Bellator 200 going on, and um, they thought they need to run. We need a run back. Um, Mirko Krokop versus Roy Nelson. A fight that we all, we were all at. I mean, Mike was too busy on the other side of the arena, angry at his childhood friend to be <laughs> focusing on this fight. And quite frankly, we were just sitting there like, are they gonna stop this fight? Krokov's just underneath Roy Nelson getting a punch in the head. Oh, we're not stopping. Oh, we finally stopped it. Um, so yeah, that's happening. Uh, why? Let's go with you, Stefan. Why? <laughs> it's who they got. <laughs> uh, did we did we just find, by the way, the tournament alternate in Krokop that's going to win this I thing didn't know somehow? Krokop
2: was fighting again. So. Uh, also, I the have Mike's... another the more. Field is always reason. a good pick when it comes to any of these tournament type situations.
0: I have a more legitimate Mike. reason why we should run this back again. Krokop's
1: uh, back on the juice. Oh, it's true. Krokop's huge. Um,. By the way, um, I wish you could bet on stuff like Bellator is definitely gonna book Krokop versus Fedor. Like, the, I, if there's some place I can bet on that fight happening, let us know. Cause I'd like free money. Cause that shit is 100% going down. Alright? Fedor versus Krokop in Bellator. Gonna happen. Um, I guess the main event, you know what? For now, the main event of the card isn't Krokop versus Ryan Nelson. It's, uh, Rafael Carvalho versus Gegard Musasi. Um what do you guys think is uh, Paramount going to make them Air Krokop versus Roy Nelson as the main event instead? I would. <laughs> they, you know they definitely will, right? They didn't fucking last time
3: with uh You just said that main event and I was like I don't know who that first guy is. I like guard but come on now. Like you got cop and Roy Nelson, that is going to draw better. That makes more sense for Paramount to put that as a call. I don't agree with it. I mean, I agree I agreed to it. That's what Paramount's going to do. I think it should be a title fight, you know, but
1: when I don't recognize that first dude, I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know. He's also had one of the worst fights I've ever seen in my life. Um, I had a question for Stefan. I already lost my goddamn uh, train of thought. Oh, yeah, Stefan. I put this in the group chat that Bellator has booked uh, Roy uh, John Fitch versus Paul Daly. Um, and I might be sandbagging our chance of press credentials here. But what uh, the fuck are we doing? John
2: Fitch is an old man.
1: Is that supposed to be our takeaway when he, if he can't get Paul Daly down? That he's just old?
2: I, I, that's really going to be the tale of the tape, right? We're going to learn yeah. one or two shots. Like, I, I, I was just asking you not that long ago, what's up with John Fitch? Did he retire? I just kind of stopped hearing about him for a long time. Apparently, um, he's,
1: the PFL, he's the PFL welterweight champion. Which I don't know. We can they, sell this
2: on. Is uh, John Fitch's homies with Josh Koscheck? Uh, the thing that got Paul Daly banned forever? Uh, I don't know. There, I guess it's a storyline, but like that's about as not exciting as a fight you can make. Like, why I mean, the I, like, the MVP fight just won't happen? Like,
1: yeah, I, I don't, don't know. Get Bell- it.
2: Bellator does not want to give fights that the people want. I mean,
1: literally, Michael Page is fighting Dave Rickles in London. Paul Daly's from England too, man. What the? <sighs> yeah, that I don't get. That'd have been
2: a great place to have those two square off. That'd be a great London main event. You know, and that's one of those things where you put that fight together in London and then you'd be like, hey, UFC, remember your last London card? Remember how stinky of like a main event you wanted to give them? Like, um,
1: yeah, it's, it's
2: a place they could get some goodwill, but they just don't.
1: I know we're trying to build up Michael Page, but we're at 12 and 0. And a lot of those are Bellator fights. And I also don't care at this point. It's time to pull the trigger on this fight. If he goes out there and loses to Dave Rickles, how much satisfaction is Bellator going to uh, get, uh, get out of saying, see, I told you guys, he wasn't ready for Paul Daly. Like, I'm not even sure Paul Daly's better than Dave Rickles. Uh, does, he might not be. What, what are we doing? I just, I don't, I don't understand this shit at all. Like, Paul Daly's going to fight John Fitch. And I swear to God, like, there's no scenario Paul Daly's going to shoot a John Fitch takedown and we're all going to think, man, pa-, or, he's going to uh, stuff a Paul- John Fitch takedown and we're all going to think Paul Daly's great at takedown defense. The only options are going to be, man, Paul Daly can't stop a takedown anymore, and man, John Fitch is so old, Paul Daly stopped his takedown. Those are the two options in this fight. So we're going to try to go to this. <laughs> 200? We're going to try to co- Uh No, the Bellator one in San Jose <laughs> with the questionable fight. I mean, look at,
3: you know, <laughs> if, if if we didn't give our honest opinion, we'd, we'd just be, sh- um, you know, um, I was, was going to say, sh- sh- what do they call it, like, Schill. Shill. That's exactly. Shill. Be shills, right? And uh, so we got to be critical when we see stuff that we don't really understand. And Bellator is kind of an easy target, right? They do a lot of things that don't make sense to us as fans. And I, I personally, when when Bobby told me that they picked up John Fitch, I was like, why? Like, I (laughs) I can understand so many of the pickups that they get. Like, this guy has strong name value. He's an exciting fighter. Like, John Fitch. Maybe still has a little bit of name value, but he hasn't fought in the UFC forever. I haven't seen a single one of his fights in World Series or whatever it's called now. This one perplexed me a little bit. And then to have him fight Paul Daly, it's like, really, you want to like you want to ground your one of your more exciting stand-up fighters again. And like you said, and then MVP fighting Rickles, like that's the guy who might ground him. Like, why not, you know, strike when the iron's hot instead of like when it's lukewarm, which, it's kind of like Bellator's whole thing now, right? Like, all these old veterans, they're lukewarm. Like, people know who they are, but no one's excited to see how they can perform anymore because they're past their prime, and it's just...
1: S- speaking of uh, speaking of veteran fight, Mike, we're talking about uh, Rampage versus uh, Vanderlei th- uh, 4 going down.
0: Yeah. fight everybody was clamoring for.
1: I mean, in a world where that's the option, or Tito versus Chuck 3 is the option, I guess I'm going to go with uh, Vanderlay and uh, Quentin. You know,
0: I, I was thinking a little earlier today that Bellator under Scott Coker, it's been a rudderless ship, but that's not true. They have had a true north. They have had a definite direction they've wanted to go in, and that direction, it's a book just washed up old UFC fighters at an expeditious rate.
1: Do you? I don't know if any of you guys watch 30 Rock, but there was a, a ja- uh, Alec Baldwin's character was trying to think of ways to save NBC, and one of his ideas was uh, convince everybody. it's not, I don't know. Was it a work on technology to make it 1994 again? I feel Bellator's entire strategy is somehow convince everybody it's still 2005. You, you know what the worst thing is, though, Bob, is that I like both those fights. <laughs> like
3: Vanderlei and Quentin rolling back. Why not? <laughs> and Chuck and Tito, I'm down. Like, these guys are old. They should be fighting... Their old counterparts, right? Like I don't want to see them fight young guns. I'm more upset about these stand-up fighters not fighting each other and fighting wrestlers who they're probably just gonna get laid and preyed on than these old timers rolling
1: it back for the eighth time. I mean, <laughs> Chuck and Tito, I'm watching. I'm watching I mean, we might, why don't we just have a mini tournament there, man. The winners fight each other. Oh, uh, Bobby, you're striking <laughs> over on the
2: phone we'll just have them both be the main and co main on a card we'll call it Bellator and like whatever Bushido we'll just give it a little throwback pride type name or something to reference that it's uh, two thousand three but uh
1: eh, yeah uh um all right let's uh let's uh let's talk about john jones real quickly um John Jones got a big ass fine and they said he They stripped him of his license. He can't apply again till August. This was the California portion of the penalty, which was really nice of them to rent out that Holiday Inn Express conference room and bring the old guy who said he forgot his hearing aid and then ask John Jones if he's ever heard of Stephen A. Smith and that he should listen to what Stephen A. Smith says because he has good ideas. That was the California part of it. Um... That's where like I you, I enter that like, that Star Wars scene with
2: Natalie Portman like I move for a vote of no confidence <laughs> like after and it's that like it's like a g- you've lost all credibility, sir.
1: They have a really good commissioner and Andy uh, or executive director and Andy Foster, but and he said he believed John, which is nice and all. Um, look, um, do you guys really think you is going to name John nail John Jones to the wall or not, or are you guys sticking with my logic of John Jones fighting in? Uh, he's going to be fighting by January my opinion. What do you think, Mike? Is is Osada going to nail him to a wall or not? I don't think
0: so. Mainly because it seems everyone has been on his side. Even Jeff Jeff Nowitzki, as Brendan Schaub has aptly named him the Golden Snitch. He's been pretty firmly. I know you don't like Brendan Schaub. That's a pretty good nickname.
1: Yeah, I know. He said some racist-ass shit about Eve Edwards. Oh, he did? Yeah. Go ahead. That's unfortunate. (laughs) 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 when
0: when your nickname is big brown that's not really unfortunate Mm -hmm. but um no but jeff navisky has been firmly i think in john's corner at least in the aspect of he doesn't think that john intentionally uh, took it he really does think that maybe there was something afoot there so i think they're gonna take um his temperature and I think maybe follow some of his feelings on this situation. So, I've, I'm very optimistic. Mike you're,
1: go- Mike, you're going real much more uh, noble about this than I thought. Uh, you guys want to go? I was. I mean, Stefan's gonna get in the dirt here. Stefan, Usada, who gets paid money by the UFC to administer this program, are they going to nail one of their top five biggest draws uh, to the fucking wall?
2: <laughs> I wouldn't expect it. Um, and you know, there'll be a lot of keyboard warriors getting up in arms about it. But uh, you're all gonna tune in to watch the greatest of all time when he does come back. So uh, I don't care if you don't like, if you think he's getting away with things. Look, I, I'm not. Def- I'll never defend John Jones the person. Okay, he did some horrible shit. Um, some bad things happened, but um, the 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 worst thing in all his offenses is still the the car situation. And this isn't that. This 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 is not what he's under testimony for now. So we're not punishing him for the lifetime. Um, yeah, USADA, there's a conflict of interest. There's a very natural conflict of interest because I think the rumblings are that they might get dropped altogether. And yeah. without the UFC, what is USADA? I don't, I don't personally know. So, um, I I don't expect them to, but I kind of one of the things that comes with the territory of uh is incompetent refing, bad decisions, and ridiculously incompetent commissions. Uh, these kind of all go hand in hand in the MMA world. So it's not saying I want them to get it wrong. If they if they hammer him, I'll I'll you know I'll actually kinda be proud I'll of respect them. it, honestly. I'll respect it. I will respect the it. hell out of him for it. If they actually come back, you know what? The case is there. I just don't expect it.
1: Um He's got no defense. Like he they have they can't even find where you at least last time, like he had a good defense last time where like, look, I took these supplements and then they tested the supplements, they're like, Yeah, man, the supplement's got a bunch of shit in it that they didn't like it's not they weren't supposed to have it. Like he had, they don't have, he doesn't have that this time. So yeah, I still I mean I think you're but like, Stefan, it seems like you also think he's not gonna get nailed to the wall. Marcus, clean sweep here or you think he's gonna get drilled? Um I I really I for
3: me it's not even about like is the commission gonna do it's like my personal feelings about the fighter. And and it kind of bringing back to John Jones, you know, newsweek or whatever, I, I'm in the same boat that Misha Tate is like personally he gets suspended for five years two months like I am just like I can't get ex- like you and Habib in the Tony fight right you can't get excited because you don't think it's gonna happen because it always falls through and I can't get excited about John Jones because he can't get his fucking life together and and become the greatness he already is like he has the skill set he has the mentality he has all the fucking tools in the shed to get it done but instead of you know making this great house with all his carpentry skills and the tools that he has he gets fucking drunk and beats his wife instead it's like what why, why? Wait, he didn't do that. No, I know he didn't. That's, that's my analogy. Is like He has all the ability, the skill, and mentality to be not just a great MMA fighter, like the greatest of all time. He's already there, basically. He can't get his life together to build the house with the tools that he has. He does stupid shit on the side that's fucking up all the other shit. And it's just like, yeah, he gets suspended for a year. When he comes back and he has this fight with Brock... Or this fight with Kane or he fights DC again, whatever they try to do with him, I won't get excited even until after the fight comes out. Because it's like he's probably gonna fuck up somewhere. He's probably gonna do something he's not supposed to, or take some, you know, some supplement that he's not supposed to. I just I can't get I can't get behind him anymore. So I can't get excited for it because I feel like it's just gonna fall underneath him because it always has, right? And then when he proves me wrong, I'm all for it, right? If he comes out of this, he's like, guys, guess what? I know I've said it three, four, five times. I finally got my life together, so, going to go, okay so, so do you think he's going to get out of this or not?
1: I mean, get out of what? He's going to get suspended to some degree. I like, mean, do you think he's going to – let's put it this way. Do, um, He he hasn't fought since last July. Is he going to fight? He should get whatever he's, the rules. Be, they, be, these, these that's rules like four years. years. Go, right? It says four it's years? Like a f- it's like four
3: years. Then they should. I think that's what they should do. Will they do that? Probably not. I agree with you, Bobby. I think – I'm not going to be surprised if we see him fight at the end of the year, you know? And
1: yeah, I'm just saying like, yeah, but it's just like,
3: for me, it's like, I don't, you saw it. They're going to do whatever they do. It was not, really,
1: it was really easy for them to end Francisco Rivera's career. You know what? Francisco Rivera doesn't sell five tickets. John sure. Jones is a different person. Yeah.
3: And it's just, but really it's just my mentality. Like I just can't get behind this guy anymore. I can't get excited for him. And it just sucks. Cause he's so good. Like where, who knows where we would be with John Jones right now. He might have, Two belts. And oh, fight, he'd be fighting. I mean, he be fighting Stipe. Division, you
1: yeah. Know? yeah, he'd be fighting Stipe. That's what that he'd be having this fight.
3: And, that's what it would be. You know, and it's just like, man, that would have. That's a great universe to live in, where John Jones, you know, he's able to to keep his personal shit together and just be the fighter that we we see him in. we see him in the cage. Like, dude, this guy's fucking amazing. It's all the shit outside of it that he can't get together. And I kept thinking, like, okay, you know, he seems honest this time. There's been a couple times I'm like, John Jones seems honest. Like, he's really going to turn that page. And, you know, whether it's his own fault or whether it's just like see, he's I, doing
1: something. I don't, he don't even, I don't even I see. I don't know if I even believe him. That Honestly, man, he tested positive again. I this like it's it's just like nobody yeah, believes Anderson. I'm supposed to believe this guy because he speaks English like same nobody same thing, believes right? Anderson. It's just
3: like I, I can't you, you fail so many times. It's like all right. and it's like this is a guy coming from a guy like I don't even care about
1: steroids and shit that much. It's just, it's just a rule you broke the rules it doesn't matter what it is yeah and it's, it's like just, jo- it's, Josh Josh Barnett was called like was compared was complaining about USADA I'm like Josh shut the fuck up I love Josh four, too and I'm four tests I, I'm so
3: <laughs> pat- mad he's not in the stupid UFC game so I can play as him but it's just like yeah dude you you take the shit you're not supposed to you know you do and this is the repercussion so I mean it just yeah it's because he's so good and he's so talented and he he used to do so much new shit in the octagon each time he came in there, and it's just like, man, I just, I can't get excited because I just don't think he's going to be able to last.
2: It just sucks.
1: All right, we got to get the pace going. We are at an hour now. Stefan, you had a good idea for Memoirs of a fight fan this week. I'm gonna let you go ahead and uh, tell the people what it was.
2: Uh, yeah, I was thinking about it. Um, you know, one of the things we always talk about, we like our personalities in MMA, so it just started making me think about like what are some of my favorite nicknames, uh, just in the history of the game. And, uh, of course, that with that goes tandem, like, what are some ones I just can't stand or I just think are really dumb? Uh, among my favorites, um, you know, kind of the criteria is, I like it when they're really personal and they're really specific to someone, you know? I, don't, I, I like it when you don't have a super generic nickname. I like it when your nickname wasn't taken from a boxer, a pro wrestler, or a basketball player, uh, i.e. Frankie the Answer Edgar. Like, um, that was Allen Iverson. Like, I don't like it when your nickname just comes from someone else. When Chris Lieben showed up, I'm like Chris Benoit. There's already a different Chris that is the Crippler. So, uh, granted, that has a very sad ending to that story. But you know, I, I didn't like those ones. So, um, for me, number one is just because it's his whole image, the iconic shirt and the song that goes with it. Always love the Korean zombie that just instantly stands out. And he, like I said, he makes the whole shtick together. The song goes with it. The nickname, you know, it goes with his logo, his look, and it went with his fighting style, you know, the way he just keeps coming forward. I like that. Um, and then Are we I, going to,
1: are, are we, you want to go with the good ones first or the bad ones first?
2: Um, my bad ones are not super mean, so I'll, I'll just stay positive first. Um, my runner up, but a close uh, try for first, um, just another guy, just loved his whole vibe, his whole shtick, but that would be Akihiro uh, Sexyama Yoshiyama. Sexyama was awesome. In a sport that most of the fandom are so insecure with their own masculinity, for people to just get behind this Japanese Korean dude being Sexy Yama and people loving that nickname, people loving the puns, talking like you know the man was a male model out there with his supermodel wife, like that was fun to me, you know, because guys get real uptight about calling another man handsome a lot of the time, but that Sexy except Luke Rockhold. You know, he came out with Andrea Rock, 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 Bocelli yeah. as his entrance music, but no one ever said, this man's weird. This man this is like, like, this man is awesome. He can't win a fight, but that that's a that's a sexy, awesome man right there. Um, um, my quick yeah, wag of the a... finger real quick, Bob, and I'll let you all go, is um, I don't like it again for genericness. It's not that it's a bad nickname, but I don't ever want to hear another fighter be nicknamed Pitbull again. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Brazilians! It was was, uh, was Andre first? you named Pitbull. Like, was Andre first?
1: Was Arlovsky first?
2: I, I probably can't even tell you anymore. It's just there's been so many. I just don't ever want to hear it again. If if someone nicknames you the Pitbull, think of a different dog at least. There's other fighting dogs. There's other mean dogs.
1: You know, the Labradoodle. Is, um,
0: why why no one ever come up with uh, calling themselves the British Bulldog? I mean.
1: Because there already was one. You already violated one of Stefan's rules just naming it after a pro wrestler. Yeah, but I'm uh, saying
0: that it's been a while, so.
1: Um, pour one out for the homie Davy Boy Smith, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'll go. Um, I like it when a guy's name is replaced by his nickname, when it just like we don't even like it. Just it's gone. Like it's we you see you hear his first name almost less than his nickname, and um, obviously I'm going to Rampage Jackson. And in recent years, being a Rampage fan has been depressing, but that name is perfect. That is a perfect name for the way he was fighting. And you hear him called Rampage far more than you hear him called Quentin. And it's Rampage Jackson. It's just, is it? Rampage Jackson. Um, that's my personal favorite. Um, and I don't want to repeat it. a lot of the ones that I agree, I mean, we all probably agree with all the ones we're saying each other. Stefan, you have some great ones there. For its pure silliness. I think Andre Touchy Feely is kind of funny. Okay, I think it's kind of funny because he's kind of a weird cat, too. He's not a particularly good fighter. Um, He's okay, but I think that's a really cool nickname just because it's weird and it's offbeat. Um, Elliot the Fire Marshal is fucking awful. So his nickname is technically the Fire because his last name is Marshall. LeVar
0: Levar Johnson.
1: The hell's what we talking about?
0: LeVar Big Johnson.
1: Not that's great. He's talking about the size of his dick. That's that's a fine nickname. I'm talking about the fire marshal though. That one's terrible. Um yeah, it's off the top of my head. We're gonna start I mean we're gonna spear off course I'm sure. Mike, what do you got here?
0: Uh just to add one to yours that I really wish this was his nickname, but um so uh Tim the dirty bird means eh, that's okay. Oh god damn it. That's okay. That's okay. Uh. But all of us really wish his nickname was Tim Means Business.
1: God damn it, that would have been – if I was Tim Means' manager, first order of business would be that. <laughs>
0: that, would have been, that should have been his nickname. Um, yeah. One that I think works perfectly for that particular fighter is uh, Demetrius, jo- Demetrius Johnson, a.k.a. Uh, Mighty Mouse. Um, but the one that I'll pick, both the best and worst nickname, come from the same person. And the reason why his nickname that I call the worst is because I really like his first nickname.
1: Oh, I know where we're going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, go ahead, Mike. I know where it really didn't, didn't make any sense. But Roy McDonald's first nickname, oh, was uh, the Waterfall. Oh, you. What, what did you think I was gonna go with? I
1: thought you were gonna complain about Beast in twenty five eight changing his name because <laughs> it's no longer Beast in twenty five eight. What's his, What's his new he name now? Overtime, right? Over to overtime. It was, it's yeah, terrible. Okay, we, I remember
2: he was trying. He was trying to preview it. He's like, it kind of basically means the same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it just got way worse.
0: <laughs> or, or it's that he thought there were 28 hours in a day, but then when his friend told him,
1: "Hey, 25 hours," you know, there's
0: only, uh, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. Mm. So he was like, "Oh, so wait a second. I've been putting overtime all this, all this time. Oh, <laughs> overtime."
2: You haven't given him enough credit. The man just believed uh, in string theory, obviously, and he thought time was a fluid concept. But y'all, yeah. y'all exist on this static plane of this linear yeah. understanding of time. Y'all, time
1: is a global. flat circle. Okay, time is a flat circle. All right. We, whatever, these numbers mean everything. All right. But- I thought you. Were, I really thought you were going to beast in twenty five eight. Honestly, no, <laughs> that's where I thought but, uh, you were going. I,
0: I thought the Waterboy was a really great nickname just because it makes you think of the Adam Sandler movie. Like, well, obviously his name's the the Waterboy because he brings the lumber. He hits really hard. Sure. It sounds great. It's really stupid, but it sounds great. But then when Fair he tried to, to be more serious and call himself Ares, I wasn't down with that. First off, mm-hmm. nicknames are things that should be earned. You know, you shouldn't be able to give it to yourself. I don't know how Kobe Bryant got away with calling himself the Black Mamba.
1: He was but- just better than everybody else. That's why. <laughs> okay that's actually a pretty good reason why
0: <laughs> but i really hated the aries nickname and the red king nickname i really didn't like until up until i learned that rory also means the red king in gaelic
1: is it i'm the one who told you this and i still don't remember what it was
0: <laughs> but for me yeah i uh i really hate aries and uh the water boy i thought it was a pretty
1: cool nickname Marcus, before it's develops and it devolves into people just saying the different ones they like, what do you got? Um yeah, I I'm not super confident with the mine as
3: much as you're, you guys named some good ones. And the first one I'm gonna is one of the ones I like a lot, and it shares a lot of the commonality with Steph's about like it kind of one, I love it when it plays off the last name and it's a pun. So like the file fire marshal <laughs> still kind of gets it like that's good. You played with what you got. And this is what this guy – and this nickname does that as well. But what really puts it over the top for me is like I don't think he ever liked it, but someone's like, dude, this is it. You got it. You got to have this name, and you got to come out to this song. And I think the guy's like, yeah, I don't know. Look it. You know what's cool. I'll do that. That is Ryan Darth Vader. I love how (laughs) it plays – there was no other Darth Vader's, because no one has a name that's like Vader. And I just love that, like, I don't think he wants to come out to the Imperial March, but there's some geeky friend. He's like, dude, this will get you so many followers. He's like, I don't know, <laughs> man. And he did it, and he begrudged it, and now he, I think he changed it. Or does he still come out as Darth Vader? I don't even know anymore. Um, a couple other ones I liked, uh, kind of what you said, Bob, like when the nickname basically takes over the person's name, and f- for someone like me who just, like, I, I can't even say I butcher Fucking names because a butcher knows what he's doing with meat. he's just cutting it up like i'm, just, <laughs> I'm a kid with play-doh and i'm just smooshing letters together it make fucking sense. so when you have a difficult last name and you just want to be called joanna champion i'm like i'm all for it i don't care if you're on a five lo- five fight losing streak i'll kill i'll still call you joanna champion because i can't fucking say your last name so i'm gonna i don't want to disrespect you i'm gonna say your nickname that's how you like it everyone's happy um and then the the one nickname that i'm I'm surprised going last I was like "Oh, Bobby's gonna say this one or something because we all fucking hate it and this is one of those names that like his nickname now sucks balls he just does it so they have a nickname he could say in his stupid video games dude doesn't realize he's in the games so you can be called Bobby Knuckles if you let that be your nickname but instead you're the yeah. fucking Reaper which is just shit and this is coming from someone me and Bobby we love the show Reaper I don't think he's uh. ever seen an episode <laughs> and, did, and that was the reasoning for it it's still shitty and generic so uh god and bobby yeah knuckles, i was gonna say so i
1: was nuts. saying we got to talk about bobby knuckles which is maybe the best nickname going right now um and i like by the way a was a mentioning... is like
3: i don't don't
1: call me that and it's like no idiot we're gonna call you that we're gonna keep calling it until you just give in. like a cody didn't like mean, that cody uh, rory didn't like it when they call him canadian psycho i'm like that's pretty good too.
2: I agree. I liked it because
1: I um, didn't like it. Is, um, like, he,
2: yeah, Patrick Bateman wouldn't be comfortable. You're not supposed to know he's a sociopath. That's yeah. the whole point. It's supposed to be underneath the
1: surface. Uh, another bad one is Max Holloway blessed. Really don't like that one. Uh, really that. don't like that one. It sounds terrible. I mean, um, being like
2: hashtag blessed is like someone being like, if he was Max, uh, thoughts and prayers Holloway like yeah exactly meme, a- that even expression now Ooh.
0: another uh. really bad one that came from a really good uh nickname when uh diego the nightmare sanchez became diego the dream sanchez
2: oh yeah wait. see diego
1: nightmare sanchez was great yes it was oh
2: wait i guess uh i don't know i, I can i give one for an uh, honorable mention it's it's dude the best, go nuts who gives it's a, a good, shit? bad nickname it's because i thought it's a dumb nickname but when i read the ridiculous interview from his brother i've told yeah. this story before <laughs> That's Gaygard Musasi, who's the dream catcher. And then his brother was like, you know, we called him that because, you know, once upon a time, he was chasing his dreams. He's not chasing his dreams anymore. He's catching them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's the most horrific explanation, but it kind of makes me hate love it. Like, I it's stupid, that's... but I love your stupid reasoning. It's like the
1: touchy-feely thing. It's just such a silly reasoning. I'm okay. Exactly. Hey man, I thought Clay Guido was the carpenter because he kind of looked like Jesus. I didn't know he actually was a carpenter. I straight up thought it because he kinda looked like Jesus. And I was like, yeah, okay. So is Jesus. I'm good with this. So is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um let's do uh let's do stuff we like and call it a day. Um I'm gonna uh I'm gonna go first because I got one. Um there's a show on Netflix, which I'm really sorry if one of you guys brought this up. So cut me off if you have. A uh, show called American Vandal. Um, We've
2: gotten ads for it. It seems fun.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically, if anybody's ever listened to Serial or watched Making a Murderer, it's a mockumentary of a, like a true crime thing with a case that whether the guy did it or didn't do it. In this case, the crime is that somebody spray-painted 27 dicks on 27 teacher's cars at a high school. Um, and they're all pretty sure one kid did it. And the show is basically an eight-episode dick joke that I'm all in for. Like, it's honestly compelling as hell. Like, I'm like three episodes into it. Like, what the fuck? Who, who spray-painted the dicks? And uh, I had to watch the whole thing. It was eight episodes. Each episode was like 30, 40 minutes maybe or something. I watched that whole shit. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Actually, a fr- uh, friend of mine, uh, Mike knows as well. Uh, Hillary's the one who recommended this to us. She said, you got to watch this show. It's all about spray painting dicks, and I was like, okay that's, okay, that's enough for me. I'm in, and I thought it was great, and I, enough so that halfway through the season, I'm looking up like, is there a season two, and I'm like, all oh, right, season two is coming, probably a different story, maybe about dicks. Um, Honestly, it was really funny, and it made me really care, which is weird. It turned into like a real show at some point, and it was uh pretty interesting. So, American Vandal... um. Check it out on Netflix if you have a Netflix account, which you almost certainly do or you're stealing from somebody. So, check it out. Stefan, what do you got?
2: A um, couple quick things. Um, one thing I'm pretty excited about is um, Season 3 of My Hero Academia has its uh, air date set at April 7th. Um, they announced today. Um, I personally prefer listening to the subtitled version, but uh, I have some friends that they speak English, so they like dub versions. Um, But they uh, announced they're going to air the um, English dub uh, with the simulcast, so you're not going to have to wait any longer. Um, When the episodes air in Japanese, they're also going to be available in English. Um, Best anime series I've really gotten into in a long while, so I'm super excited for it to come back. Um, I have a commentary about the Oscars real quick, because sometimes we use this to also kind of bag on things. Um, I thought the Oscars was fine. Uh, I was really surprised the Shape of Water swept a lot of stuff. Um, I know Mark saw it, and it's actually it's one of the ones I didn't see, but I've wanted to see. I've been curious about seeing, um, so I think I'll check it out. Um, I'll just say on the night, I thought the Oscars was corny. Um, it kind of bums me out. I think there's a big se- there's a good segment of people that are going to get like oh, social justice warrior. They're going to get real riled up and real angry about it. But like, I don't think it's like anger inducing. I just think it's corny. It just like a lot of the speeches, a lot of the in-your-faceness. It reminded me of, like, mid-90s PSAs where 30-year-old teenagers with air quotations would poorly rap about why drugs are bad. Yeah, I agree with your message. Your just presentation's kind of lame. And, uh, I just thought the Oscars were a little bit corny. But, um, that little... St- I, saw,
1: I, I saw exactly one of those movies that were nominated, and it was Get Out. And I was happy the guy won for, uh... Original screenplay. Uh, best, best original screenplay. Um... And the other one, I mean, did anybody see Darkest Hour? Because you guys know I'm a history nerd. Was I, that, that worth I anybody's time?
0: It. it was pretty good. You should watch it.
1: Was it actually like, like, was it was one of those ones where like the guy gave a really good performance in a very uneventful movie, or was it actually yes. a good movie overall? Oh, the first part.
0: Uh, Gary Oldman gave a very good performance, and just me personally, there were. Uh, I didn't actually know that the Straits were just that dire um, in the UK at the time oh. when uh, Churchill uh, took power. So it was and you saw the, that way.
1: did you see the, did you see the post also? Yes. Yay or nay? Nay. You know, I'm a big Nixon, I'm a big Nixon nerd. It was uh, still nay, huh? Still nay. My dad, my dad saw it and my dad's like, you're not going to learn anything new in this and nobody's that good in it. They, also, I'm like, they okay. also
0: kind of, uh, I think play up the role that the Washington Post had in the Pentagon papers as well.
1: I mean, they had a pretty big role in all that shit. I mean, granted the New York times did too, but <laughs> fair enough. Um, Stephon, did you have yeah, of I have Oscars?
2: one uh, last thing, but it's actually the big thing I wanted to mention. Um, I saw a movie on Friday um, and I freaking loved it, and the more I think about it, the more I want to see it again. Um, I am talking about a sci-fi movie called Annihilation starring Natalie Portman. Um, it's based on the first of three books in what's called the Southern Reach Trilogy. Um, my understanding is they—they uh, they, it's very heavily based off of the uh, first book, but it's not meant to be in homage to the trilogy the movie was kind of constructed when only one book existed Um, but that said it's 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 a really good sci-fi movie and after i saw it i kind of thought to myself sci-fi is a genre that's really kind of disappeared in recent years you know Um, as much as i love them comic book movies have just kind of overtaken the whole realm of action fiction you don't have as many fantasy movies anymore. You still get your like blockbuster action movies a la everything The Rock does. But um, comic books kind of have owned the space where previously comic book, fantasy, and sci-fi would once exist. Um, I think it's an incredibly smart film. Um, and I, I think it's one of those films where the less you know about it going into it, the better it is. Because I one thing I like about it as a sci-fi film, it's a very intelligent and it's a very cerebral film um, at varying parts. You know, things remind me of Alien. They remind me of that the video game The Last of Us. They remind me of the uh, Stephen King's The Mist. There's just a lot of like mystery unfolding, um, while at the same time just being visually stunning at points. Um, and yeah, it's a movie I just want to watch again because it's one of those things. As you're trying to put the pieces together, you kind of realize, oh, I missed this in the beginning. Oh, I missed this. You know, so. Um, you know Natalie Portman, been a big fan of her, but she kind of is a little hit and miss with the projects she chooses. I thought this one was great. Um, it's from the guy who made Ex Machina, so that kind of if you've seen that, it kind of lets you know what you're getting into. It's another just a very cerebral type film, but um, Annihilation, I super super recommend it. Um, it got uh, I, I'd, I'd kind of lamented that it was getting a Netflix release outside of the United States, which I found annoying but after seeing it in the theater, I think I would it would have done a disservice had I seen it at home first. Um, I think having the dark room ambi- ambiance the good surround sound um, people you know people in the theater they were reacting to it. people were having like audible reactions and so was I and um, anytime a movie can bring that out of me, I think it's uh, worth checking.
1: Fair enough. Mike?
0: Well, that sounds like a very good review of the movie. I think you've sold me on it. And you know what? I will use my newly acquired MoviePass card to go watch it. Oh, you got it. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, signed up for it about 10 days ago, and I actually just got the card in the mail today. So probably sometime this week. When I'm not going to the gym or just don't want or just want to go home, I'll likely try it out with uh, the local movie theater that's uh, about two blocks away. Uh, you pay ten dollars a month, and you can go basically watch any movie you want once a day.
1: Well, two D, of course. That's for the best, honestly.
3: Um, cool, uh, Mark. What do you got? Oh man. Did I just dodge all the minefields? cause each time you guys went, I was like, fuck, they're gonna say the thing because it's so obvious and you guys all fucking forgot about it. we forgot about it last week. Atlanta, baby! It's back. Is this season two? Yes. And no excitement. Am I the only one that saw the episode? Well, no, i like,
1: no, it's good. Dude, I watch I watched this shit when it happened. Did everybody watch it now with this point? I cheered, Mark. Uh, yeah. Sorry,
0: I was muted, I'm, but i I'm still uh, I still gotta finish season one. Okay.
3: Oh
1: I mean, god damn it, Mike. My...
3: I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil anything, um, but the show the Alligator was like, Man. There are just certain shows that were like just get it right, and what's so in- it's the best show on TV. Yeah, and and what's so interesting about it is that it goes for different things in different scenes, and it hits it each time. And I think that's really tough to do because the opening scene in the first episode of this season is it. I don't, it's it's not like dark, but it's super serious. There's high stakes, and shit goes bad, and it's like it, and, and Atlanta does a lot. They have like these real. Scenes where like people are like greatly affected by the violence in you know these african-american communities and, and what-have-you But then on a dime they turn it to the next scene and it's it's comedic right and there's laughs and The guest star they have in, in the first season was fantastic the things the back and forth that um, Glover has with the guest character I think is just some of the funnest and I mean like a lot of things that we said about the first season just they have a fantastic supporting cast and everyone just like, I don't know, all the characters are just so real and grounded, even when shit gets kind of crazy and it doesn't really make sense and they're kind of out of the realm of what you really kind of consider to be like reality, but they're so glued to it that it makes it all seem real. Like this all seems very feasible and possible, even though it's kind of, does this stuff really happen? Do all these events happen to these people? And it's just, it, it, it can be a bit much at times, but it's just shot, written, acted, and directed so well. That each scene just like it nails what it's going for. Like this scene's gonna be, it's gonna be uh, intense. It's gonna be sensitive, but it's gonna be real, and they nail it. And the next scene, like okay, now it's gonna be a little goofy. There's gonna be some jokes in here. There's gonna be some humor, and they nail it. And then the next scene, like okay, now tensions racking up, and it just goes it ebbs and flows between these different emotions that you have when you watch it, and it just nails it. It never brings me out of the moment. I never like okay. Now it's it's a little too hokey, and I'm like, I'm out of the scene. Like, I'm always just completely in it. And it's just – I mean, before the show came out, I think I I looked on Metacritic, and there wasn't a lot of reviews, but fucking show was at 100. Like, the eight people that reviewed it all gave it 100. And I was like, okay, that's pretty fucking damning for a quality show. And, uh, yeah, just that first episode, I'm like, shit, it did it again. Like, and I want to watch season one again. And I was, I was going up to season two. I was like, fuck, I want to get this on Blu-ray. I want to have a physical copy – so when that all the fucking internet goes down, I can just get a generator and still watch Atlanta cuz this show's good and season 2 is just really good. I'm super invested at this point and I'm just excited to see what they do with this season. And maybe even more so, not just am I in awe of uh Glover and just that he I love his stand up. I thought his stand up was fucking awesome and I think it's sad he's kind of abandoned that, but in the wake of that, he's making incredible music. And he's writing and directing. Well, I guess he didn't direct the first episode. I don't know if he directed any of it
1: is it mind boggling to you that, like, his shit is all so different? It's almost hard to, like, cut. Like, the fact that one guy does all these different things. You know what I mean? Like, they're all such different. Like, his comedy is so different than, like, his stand up is so different from, like, his music. Yeah. I mean, music is so different. And his music is so different from how he writes this show and the comedy in this show, and, like, it's all so different. It's one motherfucker.
3: Yeah, I mean, because you could look at a guy like uh, Little Dicky, right? Like, he does rap music, and it's funny. He's never done stand-up, and I think if he did stand-up, they would closely relate, right? But, like, Glover's stand-up is very kind of jokey and kind of what you expect, but then, like, his his hip-hop and rap is completely different, and it's not really... There's jokes in it, because he's clever. I mean, look, Wayne Way Brothers'
1: Way Brother stand-up sounds a lot like Wayne Brothers' movies,
3: for example. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like, no, th- but I totally agree, like this dude has a vision for what he wants to do and produce and it's just like just run with it like just keep giving this kid money and keep letting him do what he wants to express because it's all been golden so far so uh yeah i, I mean it just as you i mean we follow this guy for a while with his you know his um his stint on community i mean sh- yeah.
1: shit man his tickets go on sale tickets on sale tomorrow now, like,
3: i'm not just like a fan of the dude's work like i'm a fan of glover like i just think he's a cool cat and I'd love to hang out with him and stuff. I mean,
1: he would never hang out with me. Like, who is this kid? Get him out of here. You'd but, have to bring the weed. Yeah, you yeah. definitely would have to bring the drugs if you want to hang out with Donald Glover. But it's just like, <laughs> he's just
3: he's such a fascinating, interesting person. And I just I'm just so glad that uh, FX at least, and hopefully more people are just like this guy has a vision. He knows how to get what he wants done at a you know in a very high quality way. And I hope more studio heads, publishers, the people with the pockets look at Glover and be like, yeah, this kid really knows what's up. He knows how to do shit and make it interesting and fun, uh, serious but funny. He hits all those marks so well. So hopefully, you know, I'm looking forward to Atlanta, and I'm looking forward to just Glover in general, whatever he wants to do, new, new music, new stand-up, whatever, I'm on board.
1: All right. Um, before we call today, I'm going to ask Mike a real quick question. So uh, Canelo Alvarez tested positive for clambuterol in a voluntary drug test. Um, blaming it on Mexican meat or whatever, Buterol being a steroid. Mike, the Nevada State Athletic Commission says they're going to look into this to decide um, whether this fight's still going to happen in Las Vegas. What do you think, Mike? Is this fight still going to happen in Las Vegas or are they going to cancel this fight because he took steroids? Man, man that's, that's some serious shit there, Bob. Yeah, is the Nevada Athletic Commission gonna just cancel this fight because they are appalled you about mean the steroids? So years.
0: they'll cancel it, put their foot down, and then Canelo just says, well, you know what, I guess I'll just move it to L.A. where there's a shit ton of Mexicans.
1: Yeah, I know. You know, it's almost like he's just gonna pay a fine of very little money for this thing to keep going. What do you think?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's staying in Las Vegas. And also... I think this speaks to his level of intelligence that he failed a voluntary drug test.
1: Man, how how are you facing a Russian, and like you're the one testing positive for stuff? Come on, man! <laughs> like, come on. How you fail a test, you know the answers to. I mean, just Josh how Barnett did it three times. Three dog- times, Josh Barnett. How you fail Josh a Barnett. Voluntary t- <laughs> drug. <test. laughs> Josh Barnett took three tests he knew were coming and failed all those. Um. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week where if we talk more than five minutes about this Verdum fight, we've failed as a entertainment vessel oh, for you. We know, we know <laughs> we're going
0: to talk at least five minutes because you'll bring up that
1: Chechnyan dictator again. That's true. Ten minutes. Do you want me to stop bringing up the fact that he takes money from a goddamn warlord? I feel that's the most interesting thing no, going no, on with Verdum at this point. At
0: this point, that's your free bird, man. You got to bring it up.
1: I I got to, man. That's my... It's like me telling you Anthony Hamilton is an R and B singer. Also, it's just part of my. It's part of the shtick here, folks. I complain about human rights abuses and give people fake nicknames. Um, All right, guys, thanks for listening. Be back next week. You should watch Atlanta. Honestly, it's an excellent show. Uh, Check out um, American Vandal. Uh, Stefan, what was the name of the show that's on season three now?
2: Oh, uh, My Hero Academia, but Annihilation. We're going for the triple A and Annihilation. Annihilation Atlanta, the three triple A. Check them out.
1: Yeah, Marcus, you focused, you said Atlanta. Mike thinks you should get Movie Pass. Get your Movie Pass and see Annihilation. <laughs> Two and one. Yeah. And then, you know, you'll have it for when, you know, Deadpool comes out and when Avengers comes out and when uh, the Han Solo movie comes out and every other way Disney's going to take your money in the coming months. Not for me anymore. Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever, folks. Never forget. Number one, three Mike, weeks in a row. Mike, do you finally see it? I
0: finally saw it yesterday. You fucking love it? It was pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, okay. Um all right guys, thanks for listening and peace out.
0: See yep. ya.